This is Scott. This is Rebecca. Welcome to Hardy Party at Five and a Half. It's kind of like a variety show. That's right. A smile for your ears. So keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and let's see where this roller coaster takes us. I am Dracula. Oh, it's, it's really good to see you. I don't know what happened to the driver and my luggage and... Well, and with all this, I, I thought I was in the wrong place. I bid you welcome. Then, children of the night, what music they make. Scott. Hey, Rebecca. Look at me. Oh, should I look now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think about my wow, costume? I think it's really nice. <laughs> that looks expensive. Did you I go to mean, Party City? I spent so much time on this. Oh, yeah? I look so good, right? She does. So, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Can you read through your costume? Yeah, I'm actually. Did it take it. hours to make that? Hours. Yeah. And look how quickly I'm going to rip it off. I know. Oh, gosh. I know. All that work. For our listening audience, I just came in wrapped in toilet paper. Oh, yes. Yes. It was my plan to look like the, the mummy. mummy. Because we are talking about Uni Universal, Universal Monster, Monster movies. movies. Because Halloween is coming up. It's spooky season. Spooky season. So on this episode, we each took four, well, we each took two. So we had four total monsters. Right. And we did a little research on them. We I did, learned a lot. We did the top four universal monsters as far as, as far as the popularity of their movies. Right. So that's Dracula. So Dracula. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. The Mummy. The Mummy. And the Werewolf. The Werewolf, which you were just the Mummy. I was so, just the Mummy. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to do any more thing about it. Yeah, that. we're done we're with done that. With we're that. done, yeah. Check. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I actually have a little bit on him. He's difficult. And I would like to let the audience know that people think this was my idea as far as Universal Monster Movies. This was totally Rebecca Hardy's idea. This was my idea and... Because we were brainstorming, what can we do for Halloween? And you're like, the first thing you said was Universal Monster Movies. And I'm like... I don't know why. What? I've never even seen any of them until now. <laughs> I know. Because I don't watch black and white movies. She's People, she's never watched a black and white movie until this I week. It's amazing. She did this for you. Yeah. You sacrificed for the people. I did. It was a big sacrifice. Yeah. I learned a lot. We're going to talk about that. So do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I think since Dracula opened our show, I think we should start Ooh, with Dracula. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. Rats. Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dearie? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. So interesting fact. Do you know what do you what do you who wrote who wrote that? Who wrote Dracula? It yeah. was Bram Stoker, correct? R kind of correct. Kind of correct. His name is Bram because his name is shortened from Abraham. Oh, so it's not Bram. It's Bram. Everybody I've always says, said Bram. I know. Everybody has always said now we can just end the show here if you want. Yeah, like, she's already this is big news, people. <laughs> you have already learned. We already his have a scoop. Is, Bram Stoker. Okay, he originally wrote the the whole novel. Yeah. Okay, it had all these pages to it. But the opening preface was, I am quite convinced that there is no doubt whatever that the events here described really took place. Whoa. However unbelievable and incomprehensible they might appear at first sight. And I am further convinced that they must always remain to some extent incomprehensible. He went on to claim like that many of the characters were like based on real people and in the movie there's like Jonathan Harker yeah. and um Dr. Seward, who is also in the mummy, by the way. Um, the actor. Yeah, the yeah. actor, yeah. Um both of them like would still to this day say that they there there was truth to some of this that happened. Yeah. Um so he didn't intend Bram did not intend Bram to, for it to be an original like fic like he he wanted it to be like it serve as a warning yeah a, very, a warning for what very real evil oh god very real evil a childhood nightmare like oh. that was good times I know so he was worried <laughs> of the impact in presenting such a true story he's presented it to his editor he sends yeah. the story to his editor an editor send back one word no. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Okay. He back, no. And he went on to explain that in London at that time, they were still recovering from like this spat of horrible murders yeah. in Whitechapel. And the killer was still on the loose. So they couldn't publish this story without running the risk of like generating mass panic. Yeah. So that they would have to change things about the story. Um, factual elements would need to come out, like all this stuff. So he made all these changes. And when the novel was released in 1987... The first 100... 1887? I'm sorry, 1897. 1897, okay. Yeah, the first 100 pages had been cut out. 
Like no. that they had to get rid of so yes. people wouldn't freak out. So what was on the first 100 pages? The world may never know. Nobody knows. Tens of thousands of words vanished. And Bram's message, which was once con concise, like, yeah. there's real evil, these things happened, and now had been, like, blurred between these lines. So, in 1980, the original manuscript of Dracula was found in a barn in rural northwestern Pennsylvania. Nobody knows how it made its way all the way across the Atlantic. I feel like I'm going to be doing this a lot. If you can't see me, I'm doing this face. Eyebrows are Like the shock face. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a shocking episode, people. So, nobody knows how it made its way across the Atlantic. The manuscript now owned by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. Okay. Whoever that is. Begins, it begins on page 102. And in the Whoa. movie, when the movie opens up, it's John Harker. What's his name? Harker? Harker, yeah. yeah. Jonathan Harker in the movie is when he is like getting on the stagecoach, like yeah. watching the stagecoach. Right. That was actually the in the thick of the story already okay. from the book. Yeah. But from the original manuscript. So... The question raised, what was on the first 100 pages? What was considered too real and too frightening to publish? Yeah. Bram Stoker left breadcrumbs. You need only know where to look, he says. Some of those clues were discovered in a recently translated first edition of Dracula called The Power of Darkness. Within the first edition, Bram left not only his original preface intact, but parts of his original story outside of the reach of the publisher. Yeah. So the publisher couldn't touch it. Okay. More can be, be found within the story, the short story Dracula's Guest. Have you heard of that? I haven't. Me neither, but maybe it leads clues to what happened in the first 101 pages. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. He had all these notes and stuff. He was unable to tell the whole story, but basically he says um, where it was once, you know, once like his famous vampire it never died, only slept and waited. So the pieces are, of the puzzle are still out there. Oh my gosh. Kind of creepy, right? I know. But I'm totally creeped out at this point. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can you put in creepy music? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Creepy music right there. Right now? Yeah. And go creepy music. <laughs> there you go. Just for you. Okay. So, Dracula is played by... Bella Lugosi. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mm -hmm. Bella Lugosi. He was so creepy. <laughs> Why was he creepy? I don't know. In the movie, you mean? Yes. Oh, like, you yeah. You can tell they had like little flashlights probably on his eyes. Like, cause well, yeah, they like, had little, the dramatic lighting right, right across, across his eyes. eyes. They do the same yeah. thing for the mummy, too, by the way. Yeah. So he was born in 1882 in Hungary. Isn't it crazy when we're looking at these people to see that they were born in the 1800s? Yeah. And they're in movies that we watch. Right. It's just, it's well, kind of like, whoa. I mean, he never died, so. Oh, true. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, so, anyways, he was started um, being like, he was a stage, he started his stage career in like 1901. Yeah. And um, he ended up fleeing because of World War One to Germany in 1919 as a result of, he was like a left-wing political activist. Okay. Did you know that? Uh-uh. Yeah. You know a lot of things, so I always like to ask, like, did you know that? So, I don't have much Bella Lugosi wow. trivia in my brain. You're I know. After tonight, you will. In, in 1920, he immigrated to the U.S. and made a living as a character actor, shooting to fame when he played Dracula on Broadway, on the Broadway stage adaption. So yeah. he, um, which was from the novel, obviously. And it ran for three years. And then eventually Lugosi, as he became like one of the screen's most like personified, personification of pure evil. Like everybody thought he was like the creepy. He was. 
he was creepy, but I needed more jump scares and kind of just like we talked about. I mean, I don't know. Well, I think because we watch each of us watched the movie that we were assigned. Yeah. And I actually watched all four, and we were talking about overachiever. I know. Well, I just you know that's my thing. Mm -hmm. Movies are my thing. Yeah. So we were talking about earlier before we started taping of like our modern sensibility we are we're used to the jump scare and the action mm -hmm. and those kinds of things and these these were writ weren't Slow written that way moving. and what i was telling you is in researching it was they had to cut a lot of it out like uh -huh. they filmed a lot like when dracula is like biting someone, all that. They filmed it, but they had to take it out because of the censors. The censors yeah. wouldn't let all this violence be in the movies. Yeah. So you see, like, when the Dracula is about to do something, they cut away and fade away to another scene. Right. Because the censor saw it and said, no, you can't show that. These are not the censors we have today. No, they're not. <laughs> I don't think we have censors now. Yeah. But it's just interesting. And also the public, I don't know that the public then wanted to see it. We're yeah. used to seeing it, so we want more of it. Right. But I don't think they had ever seen it, so they did. There wasn't a clamoring to see all this violence. Yeah. So they were okay at being off screen. Yeah. But yeah, when we're watching it, we're like, man. But Dracula was the creepiest one. We agreed yeah. that Dracula yeah. was probably the. Well, I, unlike you, I did not overachieve and watch the other two, so <laughs> I'm gonna go with you on that. Yeah. But I will say, you know, one of the things it's like in a day of TikTok where we talk about our teenagers, they want things like so fast, and if they're not entertained in the first six seconds, they're scrolling. Yeah. I mean, we were our own version of the TikTok days because I found myself going, oh my gosh, spit the line out of your mouth, like so <laughs> slow yeah. moving, like so slow moving, like just the way they talked and moving through a scene, and it is kind of funny because... Well, you know, we're actors. We filmed that movie, The Goonies, you know. Oh, yeah, that great. The remake. Yeah, the remake. The quarantine. The reimagination of Goonies. One of the things I have never <laughs> thought about in movies before until I w just rewatched it the other day is how. Uh, Goonies, you watched our Goonies I maybe? watched our Goonies okay. the other day. It's on the YouTube channel if you'd like to catch up. Um, is how you film, when you cut from scene to scene, you film them already in motion. And when we did all of that, like we would, we would say and action, and then we would start to move. Yeah. But in reality, they were already in motion. You're just like catching them in motion. Yeah. Does that make sense? No. Okay. So like, <laughs> we filmed. We just put the screen, the the camera on like Alex when we were about to like go down into the fireplace in the right. middle of the creepy place. Yeah. And it was like action, and then we all started to move instead of us moving into the room as part of the scene. It was like everything started from a still place, which yeah. is not really how things happen. You don't go into a scene. People are already moving. Yeah. They're not waiting for you to start filming and then you move. But that's how Dracula was. It's almost like, and <laughs> time to move through the scene. Yeah. Like, it was just, There's, there was a lot of standing and peering yeah. into the camera. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah. So one other funny thing about Dracula. With the googly to, eyes. To mention. He is pretty creepy looking. Um two other things actually I want to mention first of all at the opening scene when they're showing his castle and stuff yeah. they show two things that um, would never have been in Transylvania um, one is a Virginia possum <laughs> oh yeah yes running through the scene and the other one is armadillos <laughs> There's armadillos. There are there. armadillos. I noticed that. Yes, but they so random. Yeah, but they're not obviously native to Transylvania. Yeah, and so they would never have been there. 
So that's one thing. The other thing is that he is that the only ghost he died of a heart attack in 1956. He was buried in the Dracula costume, not the Dracula costume. Yeah. It, it included a cape, but it was not the one used in 1931. Um, I think his son still has that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess he requested that. I guess so. That's kind of odd, Bella. Know. Maybe he's not really dead. But his name is Bella Lugosi, so yeah, he's going to be odd, right? One L. B-E-L-A. Yep. Mm -hmm. Real weird. Okay, well, that was a great... You gave us a lot of information All on right. Dracula. I'm ready to hear about Frankenstein. Okay, well, let's watch this little trailer, and we'll head right into Frankenstein. <laughs> When this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. <laughs> to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! <laughs> to prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about. The spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Don't touch that! Frankenstein. I'm disappointed because you don't have bolts in your neck right now. What? Oh, you thought we'd cut back and I'd be dressed like Frankenstein? I kind of thought so. <laughs> okay. Let me run to the garage and I'm going to go get some tools and I'm going to put them on my neck okay. and all that. Do that. Um, I had Frankenhand that got fixed recently. Yeah, I don't have my did. stitches anymore. Yeah, you got your stitches out today. Yeah, but, so. But you have been calling it Frankenhand, so it's appropriate that I you're doing Frankenstein. It's starting to work again. Yeah. So that's good. So Frankenstein, much like Dracula, is based on a book. Which two of our movies that we're kind of reviewing and kind of just learning all about are based on novels, and the other two were just scripts they came up with. Yeah. So this one has an interesting origin story, too. And it was also in the 1800s. I can't believe we're talking about the 1800s. <laughs> and we're talking about movies, if you think about it, that are almost 100 years old. Uh-huh. Like, uh, they... Your movie is 1931, and mine is 1931. Frankenstein yeah. and Dracula. That's 90 years ago. 90 years ago. I, um, I had to make that face again. The cinematic, cinematic things have changed. A little bit, yeah. Just a little bit. So it was written by Mary Shelley, mm -hmm. and she wrote it in 1818. So this is the way back machine. <laughs> so what had happened in 1816, she was married to a man named Percy, and also Lord Byron was their friend. And I think Lord Byron was a writer too. I've heard that name before. I didn't really check into him. Yeah. But they were all was writers. from Downton Abbey? From Downton Abbey? <laughs> I don't know. There wasn't a Byron, was <laughs> I'm there? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, 
I know there's Byron Scott from the Lakers, but that's, that's totally different. Yeah, totally different. Um, so in 1816, Mary, her husband Percy, and Byron were traveling around together. Okay. And they decided to have a competition of who could write the scariest story. So they all wrote a story. And they were traveling around Europe, and they were in... Uh, they were in the, they were in Germany around the Rhine River, and about eleven miles from them was actually the Frankenstein Castle. Wait, so there, there is, was already a castle. There is a Frankenstein Castle. Okay. And uh, two centuries before that, there was a alchemist, and alchemists are people that like mm -hmm. experiment with chemicals and stuff. Yeah. Johann Dippel. <laughs> we almost named our kid Johann Dippel in honor of that. No, we didn't. Okay. Um, he was doing experiments, and nobody really knows what he does. There's a lot of legend to that, but that maybe he was trying Wait, to reanimate people. Wait, was he in the people. Frankenstein castle? He was in the Frankenstein <gasps> castle. What? Doing this is, these experiments. Are you, is this a real part? This is huh? true? This is true. Oh, my God. So she was inspired by that. To give you an idea of what Dippel did. <laughs> Dippel did. <laughs> He came up with this animal insect repellent. And you know what they used it for? Werewolves. Well, no. They Well, maybe they did. I don't know. I'm not sure what Dipple was doing. I just like putting Dipple with the word that starts with D because it sounds cool. Okay. What was um, Dipple doing? Dipple was doing, um, in World War II, they used his chemical. They would put it in the water wells of the enemy so that the water wells weren't drinkable and it would hurt the troops because they wouldn't have any water. Wow. So it was kind of used as chemical warfare during World War II. Wow. So that's pretty crazy. Um, the novel was published anonymously in 1818. Okay. Because back then there was a little problem like if women, you know, women writers and all that. So yeah. they, she published it without her name on it when she was 20 years old. So she's 20 when this comes out wow. in 1818. She's kind of a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she, and she won the contest. She came, her idea was a scientist that ended up being able to create life and then just being horrified with what happened with yeah. the creature that he created. Okay. So it was actually printed with her name in 1821, like a Paris edition. Actually finally had her name on it. So she got credit for it. This is really, many consider this the first science fiction story because the character in it is using, using science to create something like extraordinary science, science fiction. fiction. Okay. So a lot of people say it's first science fiction movie. Okay. Um, now in the book, the method, like it's very famous, the method in the movie of how the electricity brings Frankenstein to life. Mm -hmm. In the book, it's never said how he comes to life. Oh. It just says he's doing these things and it happens. Yeah. Um, also, in the book, the creature is totally intelligent and is able to talk. And actually, a lot of it is written as him being the narrator, the creature. Oh, that's so different. In the movie, what's funny is we get the idea of Frankenstein being this crazy killing machine creature yeah. that can't talk. But really, in the original, he could talk and everything. He could talk. Yeah. Um, and the first movie adaptation was from Thomas Edison's company, Edison Studios in 1910 did a silent movie of Frankenstein. And that was the first one that was ever filmed. Huh. Um, so I'm going to get into some of the details of the movie because now we have the origin, yeah. which is, it's, you could, we could do a whole episode on the origins and the novels that were created. I, that just find when you were talking about. Bram? Bram? 
yeah bram yeah. stoker mm -hmm. i was like that's totally fascinating like yeah. we can do a whole thing on that um so here's some details about the I've action i've done all movie. the research on black and white movies i'm gonna do <laughs> that's it you're done <laughs> <laughs> well you know what was also nice about them they're about an hour and 10 minutes long they're short so if you're thinking about like watching this with your kids or something it's really fast older kids older kids yeah <laughs> because and yeah i didn't find them as slow as you yeah. did yeah. But I've been watching a lot of older movies lately, so I, I'm kind of in that mode where I don't mind yeah. the slower story. Um, our friend Bella Lugosi is involved in this. Oh. He was actually signed to do Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. But he read the script, and in this script, the script he had that he was going to do, the creature was like totally a killing machine, just grunted. Yeah. And it wasn't, it had no drama to it, he thought. So mm -hmm. he's like, I'm not doing this movie. Okay. So they were having a lot of trouble finding the monster. Like, Bella was their biggest star. He had just done Dracula, so they wanted him to just slide in and do Frankenstein for name recognition. Yeah. They couldn't find, they couldn't find a Frankenstein. Uh-huh. So the director, James Whale, is at lunch one day at the Universal Commissary, and a commissary at a studio is basically the cafeteria where they have lunch. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there, and he looks across the cafeteria, and he sees this creepy guy. <laughs> and he walks up to him and he's like you need to tell we can't we're filming frankenstein we can't start we don't have the monster you need a screen test for this and it was boris karloff <laughs> who is totally famous now um and boris like jumped at it because boris at this time he was 44 years old so he's not a young man yeah and he had been in hollywood for 10 years but he'd been doing like bit parts as like secondary villains in all these movies. Uh -huh. Like he would have cameos and he was never oh, the star he got or anything. Big chance in the cafeteria. Yeah, but he was kind of offended though. Because on that day he felt like he was in his best suit and he looked really good. <laughs> but the director came up to him and wanted like, him to be the, yeah, <laughs> he wanted him to be this ugly monster. Oh, so funny. Boris is like, Oh, I guess I didn't look as good as I did. I thought I did. Um That's funny. He had been, he had already filmed 80 other movies. He had been in 80 movies, just as bit parts. Yeah. They were cranking out movies like one a month yeah. back then. Well, because yeah. I had to look him up for The Mummy, and I was like on IMDb, I'm like, scroll, yeah. scroll, scroll. It's oh all these random God. movies, I know. It's so it's, many movies. It's crazy. Like, I'll list them off later, one by one. You're going to list, oh, good. <laughs> That's going to be riveting. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can bring the lighting down. We'll put a flashlight uh -huh. on you. It'll be okay. creepy. Okay, so there's a makeup artist, Jack P. Pierce, which he actually did the makeup for both of the movies I have. Oh, okay. Um, he designed, he came up with the whole look of Frankenstein, because in the book he's not really that monstrous. Mm -hmm. He came up with the flat head, the electro bolts yeah. on the side of his neck, the droopy eyelids, and the poorly fitting suit. So he applied the grayish green, like we think of Frankenstein being green now. Yeah. And really in the books, he, in the book he wasn't. But they had this greenish gray paint that in the black and white camera, it made him look like really pale, paler than the other people in the shot. Okay. So they didn't really mean for him to be green. They just used green because the way it projected under the camera. Oh, so um, who picked up the green part then? Well, they, like, well they knew like in real life, like when you're filming a black and white movie, the whole world's not black and white. <laughs> it's not like Pleasantville. <laughs> 
people could see. Thanks, babe. Yeah, in real life, you could see that he was green. So it just leaked out of the studio that he was really Oh, yeah. Green. Like, I'm sure they had publicity stills and all that, and he was green. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they had real cameras. It is weird when you're seeing a black and white movie, you're thinking everything's in black and white. Like with uh, Vision and Wanda, WandaVision. Yeah. When it started out in black and white. Yeah. You think everything's black and white, and then it suddenly turns to color. Um, now, what's interesting about this, Universal still owns the rights to the makeup until 2026. Oh, wow. Wait. They, what? They own the rights to the makeup. Like, if you do that kind of makeup, you've got to check it with, like, if you're doing it in a movie, you've got to, wow. you've got to pay Universal to use it. Okay. Oh, in a movie. Yeah. If or you're like making if, money off of it. If you're making it. money off of it, you've okay. got to go through Universal. Okay. Which, that's a long time to have a copyright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the, the makeup took four hours a day. Wait, can I get in trouble for being dressed as mummy earlier? Yeah, we probably, we'll, we'll pay you, we'll talk to Universal reps after okay. we get done. <laughs> you got us in trouble. We're oh, in financial oh, trouble now. Gosh. We're going to sell the house. Oh gosh. Our podcast studio is closing. <laughs> yeah. We just opened our new podcast studio and it's all going away. Um, for the makeup for Frankenstein, it took four hours to put on each day. And the costume weighed 48 pounds. Whoa. And he was wearing hot asphalt boots. And these wow. were boots that men that worked and built asphalt roads uh -huh. would wear them. And it kind of put you up above. It would there retain the heat. It would keep the heat away from you. Mm -hmm. And it would kind of raise you up from the thing. They weighed 13 pounds each. The oh, shoes that Boris is wearing. He must have had some calves. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out that he actually... He ended up having health problems from this movie the rest of his life. Really? Yeah. They're in the climax of the movie. He's the monsters carrying Doctor Frankenstein on his shoulder, away from the townspeople that are trying to get. Wait, him. is Boris a big person to begin with? He's not. He's like a actually a very slender okay. guy. They kind of beat. They him yeah. Like they that just beat. Yeah. That's why I weighed forty eight pounds because okay. they made they him so to, they had to buff him up. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And actually. For the makeup, he had bridge work done, so he took them out. He took his teeth out. Like I don't even know what bridge work is. What is bridge work? Is it different than false teeth? But anyways, it helps know. sunken in his face, so that's why bridge he has work. That. I think is when you're missing teeth, and they it's like they create a bridge between the two things. Okay, I could be so wrong about that. Well, to make him look but even creepier, that makes sense if you would take those out and it's sunk, sunk in. Yeah, yeah. So he took that out to even look creepier for the show. Wow. He offered to do that. He's like, this would look even creepier if yeah. I took my teeth out. Um, <laughs> Is that how he said it? Yes, he did. <laughs> I, it's just, that's just a random monster voice. It's really right, nobody. because you could say, I want to suck your blood. And it yeah, sounds... blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and do not say blah, blah, blah. Uh, do not say blah, blah, blah. Um, so there was a scene in the movie where he's carrying the doctor on his shoulder, and he's going up to a windmill, which... Ultimately gets burnt down because the townspeople were a little upset um, at what had gone on. The other actor's name was Colin Clive. And what had happened is the director was getting a little jealous of Boris and the and the monster because the monster was getting all this credit. Like people when people came to the set and wanted to, you know, see about the movie, they wanted to see Boris in the outfit. It wasn't the really director about, was getting upset. He was getting a little jealous that Boris was becoming Isn't a star. Is that the point though to have you be a director so. of a film that the stars? But the also, star? if you're the director, I can see directors being kind of like, "This is supposed to be about me." You what? know what I mean? This is my creation. Oh my Why is goodness. Boris getting all the? So he was getting a little. 
he was kind of nitpicking at Boris a little bit. So in the scene, he has to carry him up a hill into the windmill. So they would film this for hours for several days. So, but, and people feel like he kept doing the take because he was kind of getting at Boris and making him do it over and over oh, and over and over. Oh, wow. And. That's rude. Yeah. And they even offered at one point, you could carry a dummy, but Boris is like, no, I'm going to carry the actor. Wow. So he kept carrying this 160 pound man up the hill. Yeah. Well, he ended up having back problems the rest of his life well, because yeah. of that scene yeah. for doing it for hours and hours. Wow. Do you remember, do you know the most famous line from Frankenstein? I'm alive. It's alive. Yes, it's alive. Yes. It's alive. Yeah. I'm overacting. <laughs> because in these movies, everybody overacted, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Big time. Right. Um, it was voted the number 49 most famous movie quote. Wow. By the American Film Institute. Huh. So, and I think everybody knows that line, even if they don't know what movie it is. Right. From. Yeah. So, so, this is interesting. This movie was banned in Kansas. What? Yes, on the original release because it exhibited cruelty and tended to debase morals. Oh, wow. So they were like, can't well, show it in Kansas. I grew up in Kansas. That's why I never yeah. saw this. And it technically is not a horror movie because the genre horror movie was not, that term wasn't coined until 1934, which is three years after this movie. Huh. So there you go. That's all about Frankenstein the movie. That is so 1931. Pretty wild, right? I know. I learned a lot. Hmm. Still wish I had bolts in your night. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. Maybe oh, for the next one, I'll try to have something. No. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what was next on your list? What was your assignment? For My your next, one? next one is The Mummy. So we're going to find all about... Eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He is going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. Okay, how did you like those mummies' eyes? Super lit, dark, creepy. Yeah. yeah. Boris looking creepy again. Yeah, he looks really tall and skinny in this movie. I think he's thin. I don't think he was really that tall, though. I think he's like 5'11", I well, think. Everybody else must have been kind of short. Yeah. They may have put him in little boots again. I don't know. Oh, maybe so. Because yeah. he was always wearing those long kind of dress things. Yeah. So maybe he did have some kind of boots on in there. 
But interesting about this one is that of the other two, when we talked about both came from books and right. this one didn't. And I was telling Scott, like this one to me is the kind of, the movie wasn't as creepy, but the concept is creepy because, Why? because there really are real mummies. There's not real vampires. There's not real there? werewolf. There's not real Frankensteins. I'm going out on a limb and saying that's a true statement. <laughs> um, okay. But people were actually mummified all the time back then. Yeah. Like, there was all different ways to times. do it. Yeah. Like that. This is a real thing. There are actually mummies. Yeah. There's not actually any of these other things. So that's kind of creepy to me. Mm -hmm. So um, this famous monster was inspired by by real life events. Basically, is what they're saying because these things actually happen. Okay. And in the movie, the creepiest scene to me was when they were mummifying him. While he's alive. alive. That was the scariest part of the movie to me. I know. Yeah, they did that while he was alive. Gosh. Yeah, anyway. But it wasn't the creepiest part. I thought it was kind of sad, actually, to me. Well, creepiest, it was just horrific to me. The creepiest yeah. part is when they were showing him and you could see his eyes start to open and there was a little glimmer there. And then when he reached across the paper and he could see his little mummifying hand. <laughs> um, so the popularity and success of the University of Dracula and Frankenstein that we just talked about films pushed the producer to find a, a new character for, like, they wanted Looking to show more so, Right, in 1992... Archaeologist Howard Carter discovered the tomb of the ancient Egyptian pharaoh King Tut. Basically, oh, yeah. his, name. his line his name is much longer than I that. I know Tutankhamun. How do you know that? Well, nobody I... knows the name Tutankhamun. <laughs> well, wasn't he in? Was he not in? That's exactly what my paper says, and I was just going to skip right over that. Uh, yeah. Nobody knows how to pronounce that. I just remember when that came through the States for the first time in like the 80s or 90s, maybe 80s, Do you 70s? remember when you played King Tut on stage in fifth grade? Oh, yeah. We totally won that uh, talent, talent show. show. We had, we, they begged us to do it again. Did we, you do it again? Oh, yeah. What? My sister made us like these, like sequin pharaoh hats and we had the whole pharaoh outfit and we were doing. It was the, Steve Martin. It was a right? Steve Martin song, yeah. We killed it. <laughs> well, kind of. He's already dead because he's a mummy. Oh, well, yeah. But, okay. <laughs> so, when Carter, just, like, when he opened the tomb, um, it was, like, well-published at the time. Like, like it was, like, real, like worldwide interest around oh, him yeah. opening the tomb. I kind of remember hearing about that. I mean, well, we weren't around, it, but, like, I remember. Well, the tour came through, like, in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. You know, of all the stuff. So... But when that started, when he did that, on that day, like, mysterious things started happening after that. So, on the day that the Carter opened the tomb, it was reported that he sent a boy on an errand at his residence. The boy found a cobra had eaten Carter's pet canary. Oh. The cobra was used as a representation of Egyptian monarchy, and this finding was seen as a curse in response to Carter's intrusion. The media drummed up the Pharaoh's curse mm -hmm. angle to generate newspaper sales and, you know, create like all this mass appeal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but strange things continued to happen over the next decade. No fewer than 11 people who visited the tomb within the first year of it being open died. Dun, dun, dun. For example, Lord. Carnarvon, the financial backer for the excavation team, yeah, he died four months after Carter first opened the tomb. Interest in Pharaoh's curse only grew over time as more people associated the expedition 
um, either died and had strange occurrences happen to them, like this just continued to happen. So in the early 1930s, the story was still fresh mm -hmm. uh, in the public's mind, and Universal said, hey, that's our next monster. And they made the movie The Mummy. The Mummy. Right. Starring Frankenstein. Or Boris Kala. <laughs> so I don't really have much. I mean, because we talked about Boris. Well, but yeah. I, I will say, I, I watched this movie, Black and White. Yeah. And I just... It's I the second it. Black and White movie you've ever watched. Second. Dracula being the first. Right. Back to yeah. back nights here. Yeah. I, I... Double feature. I was a little bored with it. I wanted more to happen. But I think I didn't really realize at the time that they were like really... Like there was sensors or whatever set to much of that. Yeah. But it also had a little creepy spiritual factor to me that I was a little like weirded out by. What do you mean spiritual factor? Well, they were like summonsing like other gods and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I don't really I'm not digging that. Yeah. I'd rather you turn into a bat and fly in a window. Yeah. Before you start summon summoning other things. Again, too that's just creepy. Yeah. So anyway. You've never been much for the spiritual thriller. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. So I didn't really expect that. And so when I, and then when that started happening, I was like, oh, okay, this is much. And also, I'm going to be honest. What? I never knew that's what the mummy looked like. I thought in the entire movie, I'm like, where is the wrapped up dude? Well, he he's only in like the first scene yeah. where he creeps off. Yeah, and then off. when they flash back and show him being wrapped. And honestly, when I watched it too, I was like, I, it must be the sequels where we see more of the mummy because I yeah. thought the He's really just in the first scene. Yeah. And then he's he's kind of a normal looking guy with some he's got still some like dry face yeah. things going on, but he's not like a mummy. He's not wrapped up. I know. I needed him to be wrapped up like in the Brendan Fraser one. I know. Like I don't know. And I bugs wanted, coming out of them. And yeah, stuff. I wanted a little yeah. more mummy action. He's yeah. creepy. He's creepy, all right. And he, he was did. a very good actor. Yeah. Like he's he nailed it. Yeah. But yeah, when I watched that, I there wasn't much going on in the mummy. Where Dracula and Frankenstein, I think, had some good, like, story going on and, yeah. like, action. Mm -hmm. This didn't have a whole lot going on. Yeah, he was basically trying to summon up this princess that also yeah. died, like, 3,700 years ago. And, like, she was reincarnated into this other woman. Right. And a so, current woman. Yeah, he kept kind of summoning her. To try and, to get her to yeah, become night. his yeah, like, lover again. Right. And that's yeah. the funny thing about, I don't really think of this about Frankenstein, that I could... Unless I'm missing something. Um, but both Dracula and the Mummy, they're kind of love stories. Well, especially, yeah, especially the Mummy. It's all about, he's it's trying to get about, his love he loves, back. He loves yeah. his dead princess. Yeah. This, yeah, he needs to get her. Well, I also think Dracula's kind of sad because he has a couple of lines in there where he says, there's things worth worse than death. Yeah. So he almost is lamenting that he can never die. Uh-huh. Like, I think that's kind of a cool mm, thing in Dracula King. Yeah, but, but yeah, he, he's, he the, also he, falls he in love with that love woman. Interest. Yeah. And so there's a love interest. These monsters, they fall in love. They're real, they're real people. Yeah, they, they have, have feelings. feelings too. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have on the mummy. I I don't know. I I found Dracula to be more interesting, but also the mummy kind of creeped me out a little bit more. Yeah. The mummy, You thought the mummy was creepier? A creepy, creeped me out in a real life kind of creep out. Yeah, because you were, you can take it as like, this can really happen. Yeah. In a Weird kind of kind way. Of yeah. Not, but yes. Well, you speak of love, and in researching Boris, this man was married eight times. Eight times. And he kind of had a problem with breaking up marriages before, you know what I mean? Like he was, okay. he was known to be a ladies' man. Do you know um, Bella 
Lugosi was also he was married like five times. I know what's and up with that. One time, his he was married for three days. Three days. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't know. We have to research that. Dun dun dun. I don't know. So yeah. Yeah, they got these two guys got married a lot. What the heck? I don't know. Hmm. Unless they were unless <laughs> unless Bella was hanging out in his Count Dracula outfit <laughs> and it kind of creeped out his wives. I don't know. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, are we ready to move on? We are. We're we're gonna. We're venturing toward our final movie. All right. I'm ready. And here's a clip. Beaten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf beat you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. shirt i mean kind of problematic <laughs> but other than that it I kind mean, of takes away from the whole look. you're a solid werewolf alex yeah. wanted to be a werewolf for halloween one year and so you must have dug that out of the closet i did can you take it off now i frantically did it after she came with her fancy costume i, I felt mean, like i had to do something yeah you had to come to the party <sighs> and i couldn't breathe in there <laughs> i'm glad you didn't make me do the whole segment with that on well, yeah i could i couldn't understand you <laughs> well, so. i couldn't either um, Tell me all about the werewolf. Okay, the Wolfman. Oh, totally yes. different than the werewolf. Wait, what? Really? Well, no, no. Well, it's okay. named the Wolfman. But really, they're not huh? called a werewolf. He's called a Wolfman. Well, they're werewolves, but he's called the Wolfman. But he's a werewolf. Okay. But actually, in the movie, did I fix my hair? Do I look good? Mm -hmm. Um, how do I look? Let me see. Okay, my hair stylist. Quiet okay. on the set. It's good. Okay. It's good. Quiet on the set. Um. In in the movie, <laughs> in the movie, he's never called the Wolfman. It's just the title of the movie. What's he called? He's never called anything. They Nothing. say they say werewolf, like the creepy little gypsy woman who I thought was the best actor of the whole thing, who kind of she kind of sets up the whole thing with the chants and all that about the werewolf and oh, is it kind of spiritual creepy too? 
It's she's like a gypsy woman, so it, yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. Like okay. it's legend folklore stuff more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, time out. Did I did I tell you on Dracula yeah. that during that whole movie there was constantly howling in the background and in one quick line, Doctor Seward I think says something like, "You know he can become a bat or he can become like a wolf-like night creature." Yeah, so he can be a wolf he can too. Be a wolf. Yeah. Did you know Dracula could be a wolf? I did. Is he the same person? Huh? No. Did that turn into this werewolf? Okay. No, no, no. This is totally different. I mean, I didn't know that. I thought Dracula only turned to a bat. No, he can do both. Okay. All right. Dracula is very talented. He is. He's got he's a lot got of things going on. He's got it going on. Yeah. Okay. He's had centuries and centuries to come up with stuff. I guess. So he's been practicing. <laughs> um, this was based on an original script by Kurt Sidemack. And he was a he was a Jewish when guy. When you say script, you mean like a book, but not a book, a script. No, for like a movie. A, he wrote a script like a for screenplay. It. Yeah, whatever. screenplay. Okay. He wrote the screenplay. Okay, okay. And he was influenced by his experience in Nazi Germany. Hmm. A lot um, of these guys are from Germany. I know, yeah. And like Bella's from Hungary, isn't he? I yeah, think, yeah. Um, a lot of European guys. But that's the director, right? No, this is the writer. Oh, the writer. Yeah. Okay. So, like, Brahm was from... Bram. Bram. We changed his name. Wasn't he from Germany? I'm not sure. I can't remember. But I was thinking there was a German tie there. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Okay. <laughs> this all comes from Germany. Well, he was... Uh, what inspired him is what... He was living a normal life in Germany until the Nazi party came into power. And it just kind of threw his life into chaos. And then he was kind of on the run because he was Jewish at that point. Because in the 20s and 30s and then 40s, they were obviously going mm -hmm. after Jews. Um, and it's really just like the character in the movie who is thrown, his normal life is thrown into chaos when he suddenly starts becoming the Wolfman. Mm. And it was really, it was also used as a symbol of the Nazi party because the character itself was a metaphor because it was an otherwise good man who was transformed into this vicious killing machine, hmm. which is how the writer kind of envisioned Germany. Like, just normal people that got caught up by this charismatic leader and started doing crazy, evil stuff, wow. even though they were just normal people. Yeah. Um, and also, he sees in the movie, whenever the Wolfman, his next victim, he will see a pentagram in their hand. So, like, if he's talking to someone and he sees it, he knows that's going to be his next victim. Yeah. Which also, that kind of, the pentagram, which kind of symbolized the Jewish star. Yeah. So, a lot of, like, deep symbolic things in this yeah. movie. Um, and honestly, Lon Chaney Jr., who's the star of the movie, was a much better actor than I remember. Like, I don't remember, he was very good in this. And, like, really, yeah. he really nailed it. Well, he comes from a line of actors, you know that? Yep. I did. Um, <laughs> well, in the original script, they were they were trying to be, like, really, like, dramatic about this and literary. They weren't going to have the Wolfman in it at all. They were going to film it in a way where you didn't know if the main character was just imagining this or he was really becoming oh. a werewolf. So they were being very, like, cerebral about this. Well, the studio, which I guess studios did this back then, they started getting a little worried that this was a little too, like, they they wanted something creepier. Okay. Like, they had all these other monster movies, so they wanted a creature. Right, and all these were out village. already, right? Oh, yeah, this is 1941. So we had, like, 
Dracula, and then Frankenstein, and then the Mummy, and then this yeah. one. Okay, this so was like eight or nine years oh, okay. down the road. Okay. So they wanted a creature. So mm -hmm. they rewrote the script, which made it, you realize that Lon Chaney Jr. became the werewolf. Okay. But it was interesting to me that they really wanted to be real highbrow about this and and be like, we don't know if he's really imagining this or not, which mm -hmm. they have some of that in the movie. Like there's a there's some points where he doesn't know if he's doing it or not, but mm -hmm. um, they ended up having a creature because it fit in with all the other. Yeah. Um, Lon Chaney, his actual name is Creighton, Creighton Chaney. We almost named one of our kids, Creighton. Oh, yeah. No, um, he was born in Oklahoma City. That's so weird. Just like you. Oh, I know. So weird, but BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Oklahoma City in 1906, so he's actually a 20th century year. Wow. Is that a word? Um, he was the son of Lon Chaney, who had been like he was like the most one of the most famous silent film actors. I believe he was also Phantom and Phantom of the Opera. He was in the first one. And mm -hmm. Look at you. Look at you go. That's go. right. His dad, Lon Chaney, was known as the, as the man of a thousand faces because he would do his own makeup and he always, you didn't, you couldn't tell it was he him a lot of the time. That's really cool. Yeah, like he was the makeup artist and he was the actor. What? So, yeah, and like you said, he did Hunchback of Notre Dame and he did Phantom. His dad mm. did. So, as Lon Chaney Jr. became an actor, he used his name Creighton Chaney. So after a few years of that, the studio and when he became when he was going to be Wolfman, the studio's like, we need to change your name, dude. Nobody knows who Creighton Chaney is. <laughs> if you use, so they made him a junior. The studio made him a junior. He's not really a junior. What? That's oh, like, yeah. oh okay. So they called him That's Lon so Chaney Junior because they wanted the audience to be thinking about his dad. His dad. And he's right. taking on the mantle of the dad. Okay. Um. So, yeah, they changed his name, and it reminded people of his dad, who had just, in, I think, 1930, his dad passed away. So, that was a big deal in America. Yeah. You think of when celebrities die now, it was, like, a big deal. Right. Um, he became famous right before that in 1939. You know the book of Mice and Men that became mm -hmm. the movie? Mm-hmm. He was Lenny in the movie. Like, he was the big guy in the movie. Huh. To, you know, Burgess Meredith? Yeah. Who ended up being in the Rocky movies? Yeah. He was the little guy in the Aww. movie. Yeah. So he became famous for that and became, like, that's how he suddenly had a name. And that's mm -hmm. how they picked him for Wolfman. Um, he is the only one through the Universal movies that appeared as the Wolfman in all five of the movies. And he was pretty proud of that. Like, hmm. eventually other people started being Count and Frankenstein okay. and the Mummy. Mm -hmm. And he was the only one that was like, in all of his sequels. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, he was never, they never said Wolfman in the movie. Huh. That was just the name of the movie. That's um, crazy. Okay, there were some interesting interesting things on set here. His, the co-star who's his love interest, again, this is a big love story. Uh -huh. Because he falls in love. It's kind of creepy. Just, it's just fall in love Okay, too. but it's creepy how this starts. I'm going to tell you, this is stranger danger of how this relationship starts. <laughs> because Lon Chaney, in the movie, his, his name is Larry Talbert. So he comes home after 18 years of being away. He was like a prodigal son. Like the dad who's Claude Rains, who was also in Casablanca and Invisible, Invisible Man, which is another Universal movie that wait, we... Wait, wait, he was an Invisible Man? Yeah, he was the... Claude Rains was the Invisible Man in the movie. How do you know? Well, you can see him in the movie. Well, he's... Okay. And I don't think in real life he was not really invisible on set. <laughs> okay. They took him out later. It's like a green screen thing. <laughs> 
You're learning a lot about how babies are made. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Yeah. So, uh, I can't remember where I was now. Um, oh, I was telling yeah. you about this love interest. Oh, yeah. Well, he comes to the... His dad owns a castle, of course, because who doesn't own a castle in these movies? And um, they're kind of getting to know each other. And his son's an engineer. Like, he'd been working on observatories throughout America. So, and they don't really say where this movie was filmed. They just... There's no location. It's just a random village. Mm -hmm. So, he goes to the castle. His dad has this giant like telescope that looks like it looks like the hubble telescope it lo it's like 20 feet long and there's something wrong with it so at the very start of the movie lon cheney is fixing the telescope for him okay. so then he starts looking around and you can see from the mountaintop in the castle you can see all the way to town so he's looking through it and he's looking around it's creepy he goes to this woman's window above this little antique shop and it ends up being his love interest but he's watching her get dressed it's not sensational at all. She's already dressed, but yeah. she's watching her. He's watching her like in the mirror getting ready. So that was kind of creepy. So then he's like, ooh, I like this woman. So he runs down to the village and he goes to the antique shop just to meet her. So she's wearing these earrings. And he's like, when he first meets her, and he's like, I like the other earrings better. Can you go put those on? <gasps> creepy. Oh, Stranger my gosh. red flag. Can you say red flag? Seriously. Like, I'm telling you. People don't, Wait, you've got to check on people you meet online, okay? Yeah. Did he, did she go change? Well, no, she didn't at that point, but she, then she's like, how did you know I had other earrings? He's like, they're on your vanity in your room. No, no, no. Now, right here, you just, ladies, you leave the situation. You leave the situation. But she's like, and oh, okay. for goodness sake, close your curtains. <laughs> when you're getting, yeah, close when you're getting your dressed. You gotta know the guy in the castle has a high powered high powered Hubble it telescope. It doesn't even matter yeah, if there's seriously. a guy in the castle. You close the curtains. Right. So that's how their relationship okay. starts. And then he finally admits a couple of scenes later that he was helping fix his dad's telescope. And she's like, Oh my gosh. And he's like, Oh, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not gonna do that again. Does she fall in love with him? Oh yeah, they're both Oh my god. And she's engaged to another guy. No. But she falls for the guy that's looking at her the through the... guy with yeah. the mm. Anyways. So his love interest in the movie, the actress's name is Evelyn Anchors. Okay. And in reality, they didn't get along very well. Hmm. Because during... Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, she Big was creeped shocker. out. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened during the filming, there was one... I guess one night, Lon Chaney Jr. got a little drunk. And he tore up some of the set. Like, mm. And to get back at him, the studio took his trailer away, which was nicer, and gave it to her. And that was kind of his punishment for messing up the set when he got drunk. So from then on, he was upset with her, even though she didn't really have anything to do with it. So he would call her shankers. Like a shank is something you dig somebody with in prison. I don't know how I knew that, but I think. So he would call her shankers the whole time, implying that she was a backstabber. When really it was just the studio that was punishing him. Interesting. So he would be he would play practical jokes on her. Like he'd be in makeup and he'd go scare her as the wolf man and all that. So did they eventually like become friends because they were kind of joking. I don't with, think or? so. I think okay. she was just kind of glad this is over with. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This woman had she had a rough. This was a rough filming for her. She suffered a terrible scare when a six hundred pound bear, um, chased after her in the movie. <laughs> like it was supposed to be in the movie. It was eventually what? cut. It was cut. But they're filming this scene. <laughs> they're filming this scene with the bear. Like the wolf man's supposed to be fighting the bear, right? Well, the wolf, the bear runs away from the trainer and is wreaking havoc through the set. Like, he runs away. So, it chases her. 
she runs up a ladder and she's stuck there until one of the electricians pulled her from the ladder to oh save her from the bear. God. Well, the bear is only in the trailers. They show some scenes of the bear because they couldn't get the bear back. The bear just ran off and never came back. What? So she was, she was, Lon Chaney harassed her the whole filming. She's chased by a bear. And now there's even worse what happened to her. Do you want to know what happened to her also? What happened to her? Oh my goodness. In one of the scenes, she was supposed to faint. It was like in the climactic scene where Claude Rains, the dad, is subduing Lon Chaney, the wolfman. Okay. So they're having a fight over here. Well, she's supposed to be scared by the fight, so she faints and falls to the ground. Well, on the set, they have all this fog and the chemicals and all that. Well, while she's laying there, the chemicals and the fog that they're using, I don't know what they used back then. Like, it would be dry ice now, but I'm not sure what they were using. It makes her really pass out. So she passes out. <laughs> and it's a thick layer of fog, so they don't know she's down there. Oh. They totally forgot about her. My like, God. the fight scene happened and all that. They finished that scene. They called cut on that scene. They were about to go to another part of the set to film another scene. They were rearranging everything to film another scene. Oh, And then, gosh. like, one of the crew accidentally... Trips over? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they realized that she was still, still in the fog. She's still down there. So they pick her up and revived her. How much did she get paid for I don't know. Torture. This poor woman. I know. So, and the set is cool. It's like, at the time, it was the biggest set Universal had ever made. They used the entire... Uh, soundstage to build this like creepy forest. Oh so it's a whole creepy forest. Um, and like I said, my man Jack Pierce is back. He did the Frankenstein makeup. Yeah. And he did it with a rubber nose, yak hair, which was singed with a curling iron. I thought you would appreciate oh, that. Interesting. The singed hair does not smell good. Mm -hmm. And it was attached to Lon Faye. It was attached to Lon Chaney's face arm and legs with spirit gum, which yeah. I guess is that it's kind of a yeah. transparent I lubricant. I think they kind of still thing. use that. Yeah, I think so. Like yeah. when we watch Face Off, they're uh -huh. still using they it still to attach it. them. Yeah. The makeup took six hours to apply and three to take off every day. How, when did they film? I don't know, but if you watch the movie, the creature's not in it very often. Okay. Like he may have 10 minutes of screen time. Right. So that was probably in part because it took so long to get it on and off. Also because they were dealing with the loose bear and <laughs> yes, the and fainted the, woman. And the dying woman, the yeah. dying actress actress in the film. I mean, they were pretty occupied. Well, and this this film is known for like its <clears throat> camera tricks and its special effects. And there's one scene where he's, it's actually his legs become the werewolf. And it took approximately 21 hours to do this scene. And it was basically stop action animation. They would film like this much hair on the leg and then they would stop and they'd put some more hair on and then they did it like that. So oh, it was him transforming. Yeah, it was transforming from a man. And the very first time he transforms, it's just his feet. So you see hair and then claws and all that. Okay. So, but it took 21 hours oh, for the transformation. Oh my goodness. That it was basically, awesome. take a picture of this scene, add some hair. Yeah. And just, so it took forever. Um, and what is interesting about this movie, it came out five days after Pearl Harbor, which was the attack on Pearl Harbor. So the studio was like, they didn't know if people would want to see something this violent and scary. Mm -hmm. So they almost like delayed it and didn't open it, but they decided mm -hmm. to open it. It became one of their top grocers for 1942, though. So wow. people still wanted to see it. Huh. Sickos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there you go. That's all about the Wolfman. That's so interesting. That, there's a lot of information there. I mean, I didn't think yeah. you, yeah. 
And that poor actress, Evelyn Anchors. Yeah. She did went she through ever, a lot for did this. Did she ever act again? I, she was in a bunch of movies. These people, and you noticed in this too, the Universal Monster movies reused actors. It's like a Christopher Nolan thing. Like, he tends to use the same actors too. Yeah. Perfect. And, like, these actors moved from one movie to the other. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. she stayed pretty busy. Yeah. But I think sure. she was ready to get off that set. Oh, I bet so. That's for sure. <laughs> so, after looking at all these movies, we realized that there's a cultural impact of these movies that's still happening. Mm -hmm. Because you think of Dracula and Frankenstein, in particular, that had books that they were sourced from. Yeah. We don't really think about what the books said about the character. We think about what the movies say about right. it. Right. Like, everything we think of is from the movies. Mm -hmm. And um, this was actually the very first, because we talk about Marvel all the time, being a cin cinematic universe, which there's been maybe 26 or 7 movies now. And that's been a big deal. Well, this was the very first cinematic universe. Um, it yeah. started with Dracula in 1931. Mm -hmm. And it ended with The Creature Walks Among Us, which is the <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. In 1956. Hmm. So in that 25-year span, they did 52 movies. Wow. So they were cranking it out about two a out. year. We thought they were doing a lot of Marvel. This was even <laughs> yeah. more. Now their movies were only an hour and five minutes long, but... That's a lot. I know. They yeah. were just seeing how much money they could That's make so off cool. this. Yeah. So in nineteen forty eight it got kinda silly though because they started these features called Abbott Costello Meet. And the first one was Abbott Costello Meet Frankenstein. Ooh. So it was Abbott Costello were like the most famous comedy team at the yeah. time. So they would bring in it would be like Scary Movie, like our scary movie, scary movie one, two, and three. Yeah. It was like a horror movie but a lot of comedy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they started making those that. movies. Yeah. Well, in that movie, they encountered Count Dracula. They encountered uh, encountered Frankenstein, played by the original people. Uh, Count Dracula was, I believe, Frankenstein was. Uh, his name was David Strange, I think, or okay. Doug Strange. Uh -huh. uh, it wasn't Bella. Okay. Um, and then the Wolfman too. And then they had other films where they teamed up with the Mummy. It's kind of like, it reminded me of. When Batman and Robin and the cartoons used to have Scooby-Doo on, well, they'd have Scooby-Doo, and then they'd have like the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh would yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I guess Scooby-Doo would team up with like Batman and Robin and right. the Globetrotters, yes. and yeah, uh, uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, and the Invisible Man. So those movies became very popular, mm -hmm. and it kind of made it a little more campy. Yeah, like mm -hmm. comedies. For sure. Um, so they had all these movies. They had fifty-two movies. That's crazy. So in that's cool. In the late 50s, they decided, Universal decided, we're going to sell these to syndicated TV. Mm -hmm. So now the movies become popular on a whole different scale hmm. because people can watch them in their homes now. Yeah. And it was called Shock Theater is what this was called. And it started in 1958. Mm -hmm. And they were called Creature Features. And like on Saturdays, on the weekend, like in every major city, there would be like, they would show a group of these movies and then they would have a campy host. Hmm. Here are some names of the host. Um, in New York, they had Zachary Lee. Zachary Lee was his name. In Los Angeles, they had Vampira, oh, which we, I've heard yeah. of, yeah. In Chicago, they had Mad Marvin. And then after Mad Marvin, they had Sven Gulli. <laughs> and then after that, it was Son of Sven Gulli. <laughs> and in Pittsburgh, they had a guy called the Great Chili Billy Cardinal. What? 
So it'd be this campy host would just introduce these movies. Yeah. And it was like that's how I started seeing them. Like in the late seventies, early eighties, that's how I came across mm -hmm. them. Is on Saturdays they would have these feature feature. Like a yeah, like a marathon of these movies. Yeah. And then of course they they're selling merchandise because yeah, that's what movies do. Mm -hmm. So they had Halloween costumes, the model kits were very popular. I think those are pretty expensive. Like those are like collector's mm -hmm. items now. Mm -hmm. They had paperback novelizations. They had makeup how-to manuals, <laughs> t-shirt iron-ons, posters, trading cards, monster magazines, comic books. So they had all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know what else they had? What did they have? I have a little tidbit of information here. It's a really cool. Okay. Pictured on one set of five 32 cent stamps. U.S. commemorative postage stamps issued in September 30th, 1997. Yeah. Celebrating famous movie monsters. It sh Dracula is like the title character on that. Yeah. Other actors honored on this set of stamps as classic monsters they portrayed. Lon Chaney is the Phantom of the Opera. That's how I knew that. I cheated. Um, <laughs> Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. Yeah. Boris Karloff on two stamps as the Mummy and Frankenstein. And they had commemorative stamps. Yeah, I bet you those are worth a lot now, too. I bet so. Mm -hmm. huh. And if you think about it, the Adams Family, like in the mid-60s, because the creature features were so mm -hmm. popular on TV, we had the Adams Family started and, like, the Munsters started yeah. directly correlating that. to that popularity. That's so interesting. Um, and recently, we've had the Transylvania, the Hotel Transylvania movies uh -huh. with Adam Sandler. Where he's like, I did not say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we have all these children's movies that yeah. are kind of bringing these characters back again. Yes. So that's pretty cool. That's okay. Well, recently, Universal, in 2017, they had the plan, since the Marvel Universe had been so successful, they had the plan, we're going to bring all this back. We're bringing back the Mummy, Frankenstein. We're going to make a new, they were going to call it the Dark Universe. Until Tom Cruise got involved. Um <laughs> Why did Tom get involved? Well, he was he gets gonna, involved. He ruins everything. He he. The Mission Impossible movies are good, but they other are. than that, well, they hired him on to be in the movie, The Mummy. They were redoing The Mummy, which came out in 2017. He wanted to be the Mummy. Well, no, he was he was always like another character. Oh, okay. Because in this movie, the Mummy is a female. Oh, okay. And uh, he was supposed to have like a smaller part, mm -hmm. and then come back later in the other movies, like he was going to build up his role. Well, of course, Tom's like, I should be in more of the movie because I'm the box office attraction. Mm. So it went kind of from a horror movie to more of an action movie with mm. Tom Cruise in it. So it kind of killed the whole idea. Like, the movie didn't make any money, and it did, it wasn't really a horror movie. It actually came out? Yeah, in 2017. You can watch it if you want to. I I watched it free on a plane. That's the only way I saw it. <laughs> so, But, yeah, it just became this weird action movie with a little bit of horror in it instead oh, of really being about the mummy. So that kind of kiboshed the dark universe coming oh, back. Dang. No dark universe. Yeah. So to finish all this, to tie up all of our research, I, wanted to, I was wondering what you thought. Why do we love monster movies? Like, why do we like to be scared? Why do you think? Oh, I think, I mean, I think everybody likes, well, I don't know. Everybody doesn't like to be scared, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's just part of the, un. well, up until I learned about the mummy, I would say being scared by like something that's not real, you know, like a creature that's not real, something that's made up. I think it's, 
easier to be scared by those things than it is by something real life scary yeah. like you know you don't really want jeffrey dahmer chasing down the street mm, yeah. but you but if at halloween kids still dress up as dracula and frankenstein and all of these characters and they're cute and fun yeah and even even if you were in a haunted house like that would still be like a safe scary thing yeah, like it's a it's, safe, scary thing. It's uh, it's there's kind of you're kind of removed from it a little bit. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's a safe, scary situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I and I also thought like, I think for me, I was a teenager, like a young teenager, when I started really noticing these movies, and I think maybe teenagers really gravitate to these characters because they feel like they're outsiders. Mm -hmm. Like, if you think of all the creatures, all the monsters, they're kind of outsiders from the norm of society or culture. So I think as young teenagers, we're probably, like, we gravitate to that because, oh, I kind of, a lot of teenagers feel like, you know, you don't fit in, you're looking for somewhere to fit in. Yeah. So maybe they, we sympathize with the characters. Because hmm. we really talked about it, like, Dracula is about love, and he also... I don't think he enjoys living forever. Like yeah. he's, he, I think he would like to not live forever, but he is motivated by love. We have the mummy was motivated to bring his love back. Mm -hmm. And just these like sad stories. And even the Wolfman was motivated by love because he had his love interest. So it's like, we feel for these characters because just all these bad things happen to them. Yeah. And they cause bad things too, but like, if you think of Frankenstein, he was totally... He had nothing to do with it. Like, he was just created. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a sad story that he's created and didn't really know how to interact with life. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of how we gravitate toward it, too. Am I getting really deep now? A little bit, because well. I was basically motivated by the Dukes <laughs> of Hazard and the Love Boat. So, <laughs> and with that... <laughs> yep. Well, that is all about Universal Monster Movies. Yes. And we hope you really enjoy this. I learned a lot doing research. Watched my first two black and white movies. I am so proud of you for that. If you haven't already, like and subscribe. You have to do that. Like and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a comment and share this because Halloween's coming. You want everybody to know about Monster Marvel. You know, Marvel's called? Universal. Universal Monster Universe. Dark people <laughs> universe. What? <laughs> Universal Monster movie? All of that. Yes. You want people to know about that better than I know about that. Oh, yeah. Party 45 and a half, over now. We'll see you next time.